Hi, this is Mark Iskowitz, Editor-at-Large for MMM, and welcome to this edition of the MMM Podcast for the week of August 2nd, 2021. Last week, the group Women of Color and Pharma, or WOSIP, held its 2021 Think Tank. WOSIP's Think Tank is designed to get life science leaders to pursue not just racial and gender equality at the board and C-suite levels, but also to advance health equity in a wide range of areas. These extend from discovery, drug development, and commercialization to the workforce, suppliers, and patient communities. As such, it's a good barometer of the pharma industry's progress in the DE&I area. Here to provide a high-level recap of the event is Dr. Charlotte Jones-Burton, WOSIP president and co-founder. Dr. Jones-Burton, welcome back to the MMM Podcast. Thank you, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here having this conversation with you today. Thanks for inviting me back. Of course, always a pleasure. Just some housekeeping notes and we'll get right back to the interview. Be sure to check out the shortlist for the MMM Awards, which went live Thursday, July 7. You can peruse all the finalists in the various marketing, media, and agency categories at mmm-online.com. And uh, the debut of the shortlist means this awards ceremony is right around the corner. Join us virtually or in person on October 7th. The choice is yours. And you can register for that at mmm-awards.com. And join us in person on Thursday, September 23rd for MMM DEI Deciphered, an MMM summit convening a range of stakeholders in a unique roundtable format to explore how industry can affect progress in areas from hiring and retention to creative and executive pay. You can register for that at mmm-dei deciphered, all one word, dot com. Okay, back to the interview. Just to set the stage here, Charlotte, uh, I recall that at last year's Think Tank, one of the biggest ahas was in the polling, and you found that only 20% of the 10 or so drug makers and contract research organizations attending the roundtable said their corporate plans around diversity and inclusion were specific and intentional. Another 44% said they didn't know if succession plans were in place for their top performing leaders who are women of color. And I noticed you had a polling exercise this time too. Uh, what did you find in, in this year's polling? Well, this year's polling was equally as surprising as last year's. What I'll tell you is one of the first things and bright signs from the polling that we found is when asked if there was a new level of commitment from the organizations that were uh, involved in the think tank in solving for societal issues, what was really interesting is that uh, a majority of the respondents said that they felt that their organization did have a new level of, uh, of commitment. So that was some bright news. When we then asked uh, in terms of their company's financial investment, what we found is that the majority of companies, and I would say 75% of the companies, were spending zero to a million dollars. Uh, and we had few, very few companies that were investing, you know, at levels greater than a million. So this level of investment, financial investment, was a surprise. And then the final thing that I would say in terms of ahas from the polling um, is when we asked if companies were using a scorecard to measure their progress, what we found is that a majority of companies, uh, 55% of companies were not using a scorecard. So that might be the biggest aha and opportunity for us to focus on moving forward. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, and we'll get to uh, DEI metrics a little bit later. But uh, how many um, drug makers and uh, CROs and, and the like uh, attended this year? Yes, so we have a limited number of spaces available. Um, we invite, you may recall, 10 companies to join us. This year, we had nine companies that joined us. So it's a very intimate, meant to be intentional and intimate conversation amongst a small group of companies. But what we're proud of is that we had companies, um, large companies, small companies represented. Um, and we think that that created opportunity for a rich discussion. Yeah, sounds like it was. And uh, I should also ask, what was your call to action for this second annual WOSIP think tank? So the call to action was to have action that is intentional and could be measured. That was the call, call to action. Okay, uh, let's get into some of the sessions. Uh, the one with uh, the CEOs of the industry's two main trade associations seemed like a big deal, given that you've told me that you were looking to uh, pharma and bio uh, to standardize and lead DEI efforts, including calling on their member companies to release hiring and clinical trial data, uh, a requirement which will create accountability. So, what did pharma's Stephen J. Ubel and Dr. Michelle McMurray Heath? Uh, who are CEO uh, of Pharma and Bio, respectively, uh, say about uh, about these goals? Yes, so I might say we had uh, a powerhouse panel um, in which we had, as you mentioned, both the CEO of Pharma and the CEO of Bio join together to have a conversation in terms of what can our industry do as it relates to diversity and clinical trials. And I'll just share with you my impressions from what both organizations said. One, I'm impressed that both organizations under the, the leadership that appeared on the panel are um, not just um, having conversation, but over the past year, they have moved um, to bringing together. And you may recall that we, uh, our call to action last year was for them to commit resources. And we believe that they are working on doing that by pulling together their member companies and, and moving forward. You know, one of the things that Steve Ubel mentioned, and I think is, is really important, is that um, there really is no silver bullet and that we have to be intentional in terms of what we do because we can't throw everything, you know, at the problem and expect that it will work. What he shared is that they are starting, in addition to what they're doing externally, they are really taking a hard look at their teams within pharma and ensuring that their teams are diverse also working with diverse suppliers. And then he called out and thought that it was really important um, that uh, focusing on STEM education, um, because there is recognized that there is a lack of mentorship and dollars um, that uh, is really required for us to have a robust pipeline. Um, so I thought those were some of the things that, uh, that we heard from Steve Ubel in terms of what under his leadership at Pharma, he and his team are committing to. Okay. Uh, do you think we'll get to uh, the place where the trade groups are calling on their members to, to a certain extent, do naming and shaming uh, of 
companies in, in the area of clinical trials break down by, by gender and race? Well, I can tell you that, as was evidenced by the comments that Dr. McMurray Heath, president of Bio, made that she's calling for more collaboration. And obviously, the company mix at Bio is a bit different than that at Pharma in that you have many different size companies. Uh, some of them are you know, startup companies and don't have the level of resources that the larger companies who are member companies of BioHab. And she certainly called for pooling resources um, between the different size companies. She mentioned that under her leadership, she would be working not to name and shame, but to um, help these companies um, pool their resources and really make DEI a business priority um, to moving forward. You know, she talked about using COVID as an example. We've been able to do some tremendous things over the past year as it's related to research and development with the COVID pandemic. Um, And she talked about the fact that it's shown us how mandates in the clinical trial area um, has been important, Um, how having resources um, that you know have been provided, creating partnerships, and then having metrics were all things that were important that she believes moving forward needs to be leveraged. Okay, yeah. Um, let's move over to uh, some of the updates you had from from companies. Uh, you had a couple of pharma companies as well as a diagnostics firm give uh, DEI updates. Perhaps most notably, you had uh, no less than Alexander Hardy and Quita Highsmith, the CEO and Chief Diversity Officer, respectively, of Genentech, uh, giving uh, one such uh, update. Genentech, a couple of months months ago, or, or a few months ago, uh, had a big announcement uh, where they announced that they're committing to spend a billion dollars with suppliers that are diverse, uh, meaning more than 51% of the company uh, must be either be owned by a woman, a veteran, or an individual from the LGBTQ disability Black, Hispanic, Asian, or Native American communities. I'm curious, how did uh, Genentech build on that announcement? Yeah, so what we were very proud of this year is that there were some companies that over the past year had come to, had emerged as having, you know, concrete initiative and really showing progress. And we spotlighted them. We called them our disruptors. And as you've mentioned, um, those three companies uh, included Genentech, Janssen, as well as Quest Diagnostics. And we were um, super thrilled that we had uh, CEOs from Quest Diagnostics, as well as Genentech that were able to join. And then from Janssen, we had the group chairman, Vanessa Broadhurst. So when speaking with each of these companies, um, they were all able to point to, you know, uh, the theme that we think is really important, which is you do have to have committed resources that are devoted to diversity, equity, 
um, and inclusion. And these three companies have certainly shown that they can do that. As it relates to Quest, I'll just start um, with, with Quest. They, over the past year, had developed their Quest for Equity initiative that was is led by Ruth Clemens, a Black woman, working with her CEO, Steve Rukowski, and he dedicated $100 million and seven uh, full-time resources to, uh, to really work on this. So all across the company, they were embedding DEI in everything that they do. Now, if I shift to uh, Janssen uh, and Johnson and Johnson, they over the past year have announced their race for equity and the number of resources in which they've committed. Um, and I will say that, and as I had mentioned the last time you and I talked, um, they have a comprehensive plan and a commitment to not only devoting internal resources, but also have been open in sharing uh, their data as it relates to their workforce and actually putting forth goals to really reach um, and their goal of advancing equity. So um, they were able to share more details in terms of their um, race to equity initiative. And then, um, as you've mentioned, Genentech, uh, they spoke a lot about their advancing inclusive research and the commitment that they have led by Quita Highsmith, who's their chief diversity officer, and Alexander Hardy, um, and uh, Nicole Ritchie, who is also co-leading their advancing inclusive research, was a part of the, the trio that attended from Genentech. Great. Speaking of Quita Highsmith, as well as Vanessa Broadhurst and others, would you say that companies are making progress against your call for more companies to appoint DEI managers? Well, what I can say is I am encouraged and you might um, notice by the three companies that we highlighted um, in terms of the disruptors at the think tank, um, each of them have black women in high um, executive level positions. And we certainly believe that having individuals who have lived experiences in decision-making roles is the key uh, to advancing equity within our industry. And I um, am also encouraged by a recent report, the S&P Global Market Intelligence Report, that was recently put out that there are more companies focusing on diversity as a business imperative and, you know, putting out goals, 2025 goals for ensuring that um, their workforce has more racial ethnic diversity and that they have um, Black and Hispanic representation at executive levels. So I would call your uh, listeners to look up that report and take a, a look at some of the companies that are making progress in this area. And as you know, WOSA believes that this is critically important. And um, as you told me, there was a, a third company, Pfizer, uh, that was included in that report and kind of shared um, their their goals, um, as well as their uh, you know benchmarking their racial and ethnic diversity in their workforce, which is important because it allows uh, us to hold them accountable. 
And, uh, you know, we spoke about J&J earlier. And at that time, last year, you told me that theirs was the most comprehensive DE&I effort by a pharma company that you had seen to date. There was another company that announced a couple of weeks ago, a pretty wide ranging uh, DE&I initiative as well. Do you still feel that, you know, J&J is in pole position there or, or do you want to change that uh, assessment? Well, what I will say, Mark, thank you for that, is over the past year, we've seen other examples of commitments to advance equity in the pharmaceutical industry. You know, we've seen BMS and Genentech, as well as most recently Novartis. And a mention to Novartis, because I do think that I'm impressed by the commitment that Novartis put out um, a few weeks ago, which was a 10-year commitment to really in partnership with the Thurgood Marshall College Fund to reach medical schools as well as historically Black colleges, universities, as well as medical schools to co-create programs that address the root causes of systemic disparities in health outcomes and create greater diversity, equity, and inclusion across the research and development ecosystem. And what I thought was impressive about this commitment that we saw from Novartis is that it recognizes that not only do we have a lack of diversity in our clinical trials, but we also have that lack of diversity in our clinical trial investigators, in our medical school students, and in physicians. And their commitment really does work to address the disparities at all of those different levels. Yes, indeed. Thank you for giving me your assessment on, on the Novartis initiative. Um, you know, as encouraging as this is, and we probably just rattled off about a half a dozen companies there, if not more, it's still only a fraction of, of the industry. And, you know, some people may be asking, you know, when are we going to do better? When is it going to really scale up? What's your comment there? Yeah, and I've asked myself that and, and have certainly said myself that there is more to do and we have to do better. You know, I think it's important that we recognize that we didn't get here in one or 10 or even a hundred years and that it will take us some time to see progress. And, you know, if I go back to, as I talked about what Steve Ubel said at the think tank, you know, it's important to note that there is no silver bullet and that there will be, we will need to see over a period of time trends that can really help us know that we are making progress. And I believe that even though I only rattled off a dozen, a half a dozen companies, as you said, that those are the companies that have probably been working on this for a lot longer than one year and that they have been able to pivot and pool resources to move forward. Uh, and that's what we're seeing. But I do think that there are other companies that are in stages that are close to the ones that we've seen, just have not been able to um, announce that yet, and that we're going to see others. And then there are still companies that haven't made the commitment or decided, you know, what they want to do as it relates to making 
diversity, equity, and inclusion, a business imperative, and really weaving it through all that they do. So I think that the jury is still out. If you would ask me, you know, to look into my crystal ball, I think that in five years, we're going to see more than what we're seeing today. And we're this is not going to go away. We have, uh, over the past year, um, been put in a very unique position to where I think that this is now a part of the conversation. And what we're going to see is increased pressure on companies uh, to not just do this because it's the socially responsible thing to do, but that it's also the scientifically responsible thing to do as well. Mm -hmm, sure. And just because, um, you know, it's only uh, the number of companies it is now, that doesn't mean that other companies haven't been working on this. Um, as you say, uh, those probably uh, that have announced have had, had the largest lead times, uh, which, which helps a lot. You know, speaking of uh, the future and, and looking into your crystal ball, you uh, usually announce at the close of each think tank uh, what the next year's think tank theme is going to be. Can you tell our listeners what, what that is going to be? Yes. So we're going to focus on data and diversity, and we want to understand how we disrupt through data. It's so important that we are able to measure the progress. And you've asked me, when are we going to see changes? Well, if we don't know where we're starting, and we don't have an idea of our goals, and we haven't placed numbers on the goals, it'll be difficult for us to evaluate our progress. So what we want to do over the next year, and particularly in next year's think tank, is we want to highlight uh, the companies that are being transparent with the data, that are using scorecards, and that are putting out bold goals and where there have been progress, we want to be able to bring that to the forefront. Sure. I've often wondered about that. You know, you hear some companies throwing out these uh, percentages uh, like a 50% increase over two years or, you know, doubling uh, the, the amount of money we spend uh, with diverse media outlets and that kind of thing. But that could just mean, you know, okay, going from one to two, you know, at, at the most extreme example. So that's important. That's why we need to talk about the numbers because going from one to two is totally different than going from 30 to 60. And we want to make sure that at all the different levels, whether it's workforce and we're talking about representation if it's retention numbers, or if it's who's enrolled in clinical trials, we want to understand, you know, what numbers should we be looking at? And, you know, what already exists in terms of scorecards that can be leveraged, and where there are no numbers that exist, we really want to talk about what might be a meaningful measure um, in particular areas. So we really are excited about this focus that we're going to do in terms of focusing on the data. And we think that it's going to help move us even further as an industry. 
Sure. Okay. One last question. Uh, last time you were here, uh, which was back in April, uh, you discussed a WOSIP initiative designed to address vaccine hesitancy among the black and brown communities by training members of the pharma industry to demystify, so to speak, and educate on COVID-19 vaccine clinical trial data. Can you give us uh, an, an idea of how that's going? So that would be our We Are Pharma Advancing Equity Initiative. And as mentioned, the last time I was here, the uh, the cornerstone of that initiative was training 30 speakers who are Black and Hispanic women who could then um, have conversations with organizations in their communities. They could also have conversations at their kitchen table with their family and friends to really talk about uh, vaccine research and development and answer questions. As you know, there still continues to be uh, resistance or hesitancy, whatever you want to call it. And what I can tell you is that now that we're seeing uh, another surge and we see that the Delta variant um, is, is surging in the United States, we are continuing our initiative and we will soon have an update with our speakers where we go through uh, some of the topics such as the Delta variant and do the vaccines continue to be effective against the Delta variant, even talking about pediatrics, now that we know that um, we have authorization to use down to age 12. So it, obviously medicine moves very rapid. Things with the pandemic are moving rapidly. And what we want to do is make sure that those speakers that receive their training continue to have the um, training that's evolving with the medicine so that they can continue to have the conversations that are vitally important. And what I know to be true is that different individuals have different concerns. And it means that you have to listen carefully and be able to respond thoughtfully to those differing concerns. So we're still continuing that initiative. And if there is anyone listening who has an organization or would like to have one of those speakers come and speak to you and your teams or you and your community organization, you can reach out to us at wocip.org. Yes. And it's an initiative that's still very much relevant. Okay, that's it for this week's installment. If you like this episode as much as I did, please like us. Please subscribe to the channel and help others discover the show. Okay, this has uh, been Mark Iskowitz for the MMM Podcast. We'll see you next time, everybody. Mm-hmm.